Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Let's have a chat with one of our favourites on the overnight crowd. Jasper Chalopa from the Inner Sanctum joins us. Uh, g'day, Jasper. G'day, Heather, mate. Um, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Hope the overnight crowd team has, has had a nice few days as well, watching the Aussies take about 20 wickets in two and a half days. It's been a bit of fun, hey? It has been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for that, mate. Uh, yeah, I had a great Christmas. How was yours? Yeah, really nice. I've been up in Sydney, which has been a nice change of pace for me, being a WA boy. Can't quite get back in. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's been nicely adopted by a family up here. And uh, yeah, slightly nicer conditions, I might say. What, what are you up to? Four, four days in a row of 40 plus? Yeah, this is day four of 40 plus, And uh, there's a nice change coming tomorrow. I believe it's going to be 38. So we should be nice cold. <laughs> uh, it should be real good stuff. Avoid- <laughs> Avoid the beaches on that one. It won't be it won't be warm enough. No, that's it. Uh, be a bit cold. But uh, how did you find the conclusion of the Boxing Day test, mate? Uh, what did you make of the drubbing? Yeah, well, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm actually with you know a, a family who's you know quite um uh, yeah they're first generation kind of Englishmen. So they were they were cheering on the Poms, which is um <laughs> which was pretty funny to to watch um being being in the same uh, room as them. But uh, it's just. The, the Aussie attack and, and our fast bowling depth is is truly amazing um, to, to see guys come in. We've seen Jai Richardson, we've seen Michael Nessel, we've seen, um, we've seen Bowling come in for this test because he's so good at the MCG and they, they all look absolutely unbelievable. It's going you know, to give a selection, you know, a few headaches going up to Sydney and then to Hobart. Yeah, it has been fantastic to see the guys get the opportunity and then it creates that extra little bit of depth and, you know, just yeah, create, keeps the talent pool humming because your opportunity might just come knocking when you don't even know it. That's That's been the best part of exactly. this. I don't know if it is a horses for courses type approach but if or if it just has been basically uh, injury plus, you know, the Cummins COVID thing. But either way, they've been able to uh, really expose some talent to some uh, yeah opportunities and it's just going to do so much for the future of um, – the depth of Australian cricket. That's exactly right, and and Bowler's a WA boy. We you know we're gonna be claiming him even even if the the Vicks um think he think he's a uh, a Melbourne boy. Now I saw on Twitter the other day, and we'll move on to uh, some AFLW chat. But uh, I saw on Twitter the other day a tweet from you, funnily enough, around an AFLW fantasy Twitter account and a website. Can you give us a little bit of background uh, to this? Yes, AFLW fantasy. We've been crying out for it for a few years, and. Um, uh, a guy by the name of Selby Lee Steer, um, coach of Marrera's Magic, the two-time fancy classic champions. Um, so he has a couple Hiluxes in his garage, but um, he kind of didn't play last year, set up his own website to um, take, a, take a look at AFL Fantasy more in-depth with subscribers. And, and this year he's gone one better and he's made an AFLW Fantasy platform for, for players, for coaches to play, um, which has just been absolutely huge. Because you know it's something that the the sport um, to to reach another level of, of fans and spectators absolutely needs. I think it's a huge step forward for your regular footy fans just to get into the women's competition and get an entry point. Because fantasy was probably the catalyst for my love of uh, comps like like the Premier League. Um, it just increases how much I want to watch the NFL and the NBA, and, and it gives you a reason to watch you know every second of every game in the competitions that you love um, first and foremost as well. 
yeah, and you know, turn your attention to some players you might not have been keeping tabs on before. But that's such a massive effort, and uh, yeah, we're just going to see the payoff for so many people jumping on board uh, moving forward onto the AFLW fantasy. Like, what what a great effort! Yeah, I know, and the AFLW is, is a quality product already. You, you have to consider that draftees these days still haven't been afforded, you know, the pathways to play footy throughout their childhood. You know, these girls that are getting drafted right now love the sport so much they're they're often the only you know girl in their team until they get to 15 or 16 years of age and they can enter the state league pathway. Um, I think you know I spoke to Ella Roberts, one of the leading um, draftees of next year's pool um, this year, and you know she was basically you know on on the money when she said that she didn't get afforded the opportunity to to play in a women's team throughout her childhood. She played with the boys um, until she finally could enter the waffle system and now she's, you know, a dominant force. She's a two-time uh, waffle uh, premiership player, um, all that kind of stuff. And for, for women to finally be getting a full run through their um, junior years, we're going to see the AFLW just come on in leaps and bounds over the next couple of years. So I think um, bringing a fantasy platform in is so important um, in that respect because it will just bring a whole new level of audience to, to the game. And we're so close to the season starting as well, aren't we? I just hope that there's nothing, you know, it's going to pop up and maybe see some postponements or, you know, delay of uh, the start of the season. Yeah, we're, we're about eight or so days away. Um, I think the WA border is a bit of a bit of an issue right now as are the cases in Sydney and Melbourne. Um, but it's, it's always going to be a tricky one. And uh, we've seen in a few, well, basically every big competition around the world right now with Omicron is, is that, it's so infectious and um, leagues are having to move on the fly that I think it will just affect every single competition in the world and the FOW won't be any different coming into the new year. Well, the NBL are going through its moment with it at the moment, aren't they, as well? Three postponements announced today. The 36ers versus the Wildcats, which was to be tonight. The Bullets versus the Wildcats on New Year's Day in Brisbane. And then the 36ers versus the Phoenix on January 2nd in Adelaide. But then there's been a further postponement and change with the New Year's Eve uh, clash between the Taipans and the Breakers. It's now set to feature the Taipans versus the Wildcats. It's a lot to stay across, isn't it? Yeah, it's really hard to keep up, isn't it? And... Um, for for the league to you know try and continue keep going because this is you know the NBL desperately needs to get games away um, just to keep their profits you know ticking over so you know you've got the Cans and, and the Wildcats now the Wildcats will be away from home for a fair few weeks um, and that starts with the with the Cans Taipans which they didn't expect to come but they've had a five day they've had a four or five day break um, coming up for the NBL just to get some cases under control they've got a few guys in protocols right now. Um, but the way they've moved so far, I've been pretty impressed. I think the NBL knows what's up, and, and they, they're staying pretty nimble on their on their toes right now. Is there any sort of suggestion or of a hub, or is there even a suitable hub that there could be, or are they just yeah going to keep trying to hop around and trying to keep ahead of it like they have been? Yeah, it's a it's a pretty interesting question because the NBA is in a similar boat right now, talking mm. about possibly having another bubble um, or possibly going on hiatus as well. So. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the best course of action. We saw the NBL Cup last year in Melbourne. That was a huge success. And, and I thought, you know, it's a decent blueprint for what could happen if there is a need for, for a bubble. Um, I think Tasmania could be a really good option, in, in all honesty. You know, a uh, fairly isolated part of the, the world. And, um, you know, they've they've opened up their borders now. So, you know, it's, it's easier to get in, uh, I think, in that regard, I think um, Tasmania could be the best option. But I also think that just staying nimble and, and being able to change fixtures and schedules um, could be the best way forward for the NBL. 
to the NBA, who are yeah, pretty much the trailblazers as far as uh, what's going on with uh, the you know, Omicron, yep. as you say, and also the postponements. Paddy Mills at the moment. Whoever got him in at the Nets deserves a statue built outside Barclays, as he is a value-packed person and baller. His Xmas Day efforts were record-breaking, and he's just continued that form this week, hasn't he? Yeah, he broke that three-point record on Christmas Day with about eight. Um, and, and right now, you know, Judo McCoy, he's playing about 40 minutes a night and keeping the Nets at the one seed in the East. What he's been, he's, he's one of the absolute stars of, of Australian sport. We know that. But, you know, he and Ash Barty are, you know, head and shoulders above everyone yeah. in 2021 for what they've produced um, as Australians on the international stage. Uh, I think what he's, he's kind of come into his own, being able to, you know, just have the ball in his hands a bit more. His usage rates really increased from his days off the bench for Pop and the Spurs. Um, so yeah, obviously, yeah, the Nets was a great option for him because of their their potential to win a chip. But right now, he's also carrying this team um, <laughs> against quality opposition. He's just been a joy to watch. Well, what's the count out now for Josh Giddy to chase that trip dub down? But he broke another fifty year old record this week with a scoreless double double of ten assists, ten rebounds, <laughs> yeah. and the Thunder's win over the Pelicans. Yeah, that's a unique one. He was two points off the triple double last week. I was, sent a text off to you and then you had the, the 0-10-10 game um, a couple of days ago. Uh, it's it's just, it's coming. It, it's it's 62 days or something like that away um, from, from Lamelo Ball's age when he recorded the youngest triple-double in NBA history. So Giddy has a couple months and, and I'm sure he'll get it, but um, you know, we're, we're waiting impatiently, aren't we, Heater? Yeah. And um, this OKC team has been sensational off the back of of Giddy off the back of Blue Dort, and especially Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Gilgis He's really picked up his game. He was the Western Conference Player of the Week this week. And Eastern Conference Player of the Week here, Kemba Walker, what a resurgence. Um, <laughs> if, if there's a positive to come out of Omicron, it's Kemba Walker getting his starting spot back and, and putting up 40 minutes. Um, a triple-double on Christmas Day, 40-point games. Um, he's been absolutely sensational as well. And just a great attitude as well. He said, you know, I, I might not be in the rotation now, but I'm not going to go and, you know, take it out on anyone or, you know, just be that guy around the group. He's kept it positive. He's got his chance again, and he's back out there balling. It's been fun. Yeah, my, my favourite player. Um, he's the reason I got into the NBA in the first place after watching his UConn run um, near NCAA yeah. championships. But uh, his, his attitude in, in Charlotte when we were having those, you know, 15-win seasons, um, he's, just, he's just a very happy person. He knows he's extremely blessed to be in the position he is, um, and he, he's going to work his, his backside off every single day to get better, even, if, even when he does, you know, enter his 30s. So Kemba Walker getting more opportunity because there's just so many players out around the place. And another guy that's uh, making the most of that is someone like Jock Landau, seeing some serious minutes. And he's doing some serious work with his opportunity as well for the Spurs. Well, the minutes aren't serious enough for me here. Like, because, uh, <laughs> he's still coming off the bench, which is understandable. Jakob Pertl is a very, very good defensive centre. Um, but I just think Pop needs to give this guy more minutes. And it was pretty bewildering for me that Drew Eubanks was, was ahead of him in the rotation for so long, for the first you know, 35 odd games of the season. Uh, Landau, we know, we know what he is. We saw him you know, up and close and personal last year with Melbourne United after you know, a long stint. Um, in Europe, but he hits the three ball at a really good clip. He rebounds well. He scores in the paint. His, his defense, you know, it's not above the rim, but his defense is really solid below the rim. Um, halftime against the Lakers a few days ago at Staples, he was leading the Spurs in scoring mm. in, a, in a blowout against LeBron and the Lakers, and he'd only played eight minutes off the bench. Uh, he He's just a, he's a walking bucket right now because teams don't have good intel on him. They don't know how he plays. 
And, and the pick and pop, he is wide open every single time. Dejounte Murray or Derek White is just finding him. Hey, the Spurs are right now a must watch whenever Jock Landau is on the court because he he's instant offense. He's doing a great job of it, as is Josh Green, who's answered the knock of uh, at the door of opportunity. He was just shy of a double-double as well with nine points and 10 assists for the Mavs uh, as they had a win versus the Trailblazers. Yeah, Josh Green's a really unique player as well in the NBA. He's, he's a guy a bit like um, Josh Hart for any um, NBA heads uh, listening. He just rebounds so well for his size. He, he's a weak side rebounder. He's a weak side defender as well. He, he, he can play above the rim with his, you know, with his athleticism, which we saw a bit um, for the boomers over in Tokyo. But uh, if he can shoot the ball well, then there's absolutely a role he can forge with the Dallas Mavericks. And, and he, you know, there's even a starting spot there for the taking um, with Jalen Brunson playing so well off the bench. If he can, you know, settle up to, to kind of sit beside uh, Luka Doncic in that backcourt, um, you know, that, that'd be a great result for him. You know, he's coming into his second season now, hasn't lit the world on fire, but given the opportunity, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, um, he's a really impactful NBA player and he's quite unique as well. I was going to ask a question about the Lakers, but I feel like maybe not wallowing in some misery tonight. But So we'll move along to the Memphis Grizzlies, who down the Suns today in a banger of a game. D-Book hit that three to take the lead, and then it was jar time as Morant got into the key, laid it in. No doubt answering all those dribblers as well, who were telling him to go back on the injury yeah. reserve just a couple of matches back. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, the Grizz are such a professional ball club right now. Um, the guy I, I kind of wanted to talk about is Jaron Jackson Jr., who mm. hasn't played too well, and he doesn't get um, a huge amount of minutes right now. But he's just he's the guy that could almost take them over the top. John Morant's already a superstar. Trey J is on the precipice of being a star in this league. Um, and if he can, you know, he can put together a really solid second half of the season, then the Grizz are a side that can make the Western Conference Finals, in my opinion. They're, they're really deep. They've got really solid guys like, you know, DeAnthony Melton and Tyus Jones coming off the bench who are just, you know, they're, they're starting quality players in, in other teams. Um, so what, what they've been able to do, what Desmond Bain has been able to do with the shot maker, shot creator, been really impressive. And then obviously Stephen Adams, a big Kiwi, he's, he's a huge part of what they're able to do as well. Um, he's, he's one of the better kind of uh, paint defenders in the league. He's just a big body that, gets offensive rebounds, um, you know, just helps with screens and, and does all the, the dirty stuff for, for your club. A bit like what Andrew Bogut was for, for the Warriors back in the day. I think um, Stephen Adams has been really vital for what the, the Grizz have been able to put forward. Um, they're sitting fourth in the, in the West right now, which is a really impressive re- result so far. It's a pretty uh, good comparison, I think, there, Jasper, as well. But uh, we'll keep on moving to the NFL, mate. And, uh, well, shall we to start with this? But your Niners going down uh, to start the Week 16 of <laughs> NFL action against the Titans, 20-17. to 17. How are you feeling about it? <laughs> we were so dominant. And it was so hard to watch that second half because <laughs> as, as it happened with the Bengals uh, the week prior, they kind of figured out that our corners uh, are really, really terrible. So they just started <laughs> you know, throwing the ball. Tannehill got a bit more confident. Um, that opened up the run game and you know, they figured out that Jimmy Garoppolo can't throw the ball either. So he was, he was throwing picks left, right and centre. He's now got you know, a torn tendon in his hand. Uh, you know, we know that Jimmy isn't a great quarterback, but he's a steady guy that you know, he knows his role. He needs to get the ball in, in Kittles, Debo's, uh, Brandon Ayuk's hands. Um, he does that more often than not. So you know, the Niners are in a bit of a precarious spot here. They're going to be facing a wild card uh, game against you know possibly you know, a team like the Cowboys or the the Buccaneers and that's that's not an easy game at all um, and you know they they could almost be looking at, at 
playing it with Trey Lance if if Jimmy has to to go in for surgery. So, yeah, you know, that's that's going to be a momentous occasion for for the high draft pick who hasn't played too many games so far. The Packers uh, with a two point win over the Browns. Uh, has Baker Mayfield had I guess what we'd call a stinker? It's fair to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I would call it a stinky. You know, if Jimmy G threw three picks and I think Baker threw five or six, which was just ridiculous. Um, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers is the best combination in the NFL. It has been for quite some time. But uh, this Packers D has been really impressive. Um, and we didn't think that going in. They'd lost a few guys um, to start the season. But uh, I, th- I think they've been you know, really solid. And, and they've actually you know, put the Packers in a position to, to take out the the NFC, uh, which is probably not what we forecast coming. I don't know if you can remember that first game of the oh, season yeah. when the New Orleans Saints, you know, beat them by about 40 points and they actually sat Aaron Rodgers in the final quarter. But it's pretty crazy to consider that the Packers are, you know, are leading the NFC right now. Joe Burrow having himself a career game as he led the Bengals past the Ravens 41 to 21, 525 yards, Jasper. He must've thought he was back in college ball. <laughs> yeah, it looked like he was playing for LSU. Yeah. Didn't know he had that connection with Jamal Chase still going. Uh, and T. Higgins as well is, is a fantastic wide receiver. But I think he's put up nearly a thousand yards passing against the Ravens this year. <laughs> um, he, he had four hundred plus in his first game as well. So I don't know what it's about the Ravens, but uh, he really enjoys playing against that defense. And Joe Burrow is a very, very special talent. He's you know he's, he's much further developed than where um, Trevor Lawrence is in his rookie season. Uh, Joe Burrow was, you know, a, a rookie of the the year, kind of contender from the outset of his rookie year last year, and um, he, he's just, you know, he's picked up where he left off after that, you know, gruesome injury. He only, you know, came back after a few months off that one, and he just looks a million bucks out there. He, he looks so composed. He, he's a guy that, you know, the offensive line absolutely loves playing for. You can see it every single game. They they pick him off the ground as quick as as any offensive line in the league, and they protect him really well. Um, so, you know, Joe Burrow and the Bengals are still a, you know, still a real threat in the AFC. There's a listener of the overnight crowd that won't let me uh, hear the end of it, or I don't mention the Bills' great win over the Patriots, and specifically the efforts of Josh Allen, a man that this listener has been trying to manifest as the MVP since November. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Josh Allen was my MVP pick back in probably, probably November as well, but, uh, They've had a they've had a really rough kind of patch. The Bills they had a big win, but they're still they're still only seven and seven, which is weird to think about because I remember you know a, a few months ago they had that big win on Monday Night Football over the Kansas City Chiefs, and since then the roles have been completely reserved, reversed with those two two sides. I'm sure you want to talk about the Chiefs a little bit more in detail, but the Bills need to get it going. They need to you know get a decent seating. If they're in the wild card kind of positions, then I'm not too sure they're going to be making noise in the playoffs. Um, uh, we know how good Josh Allen is. We know how good Stefan Diggs is when he's up and going, but uh, I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to put it all together right now. Not too sure. The Chiefs, uh, as you quite rightly said, they're up next, 36-10 winners over the Steelers. Uh, they did it without Travis Kelce again. Uh, where are the Chiefs as far as ranking their title hopes for you? Yeah, well, they were, they were down and out according to a lot of pundits halfway through the season. But now they're going to take out the, the AFC. They're looking in a, in a pretty comfortable position. You know, Kelsey's going to come back from his COVID protocols. Um, Tyreek Hill, you know, he's looking he's looking really good. And, and they've also found a couple guys that they can actually get the ball to as well. And, and Nicole Hardman and Byron Pringle as well have been pretty impressive as well as Gordon. So, you know, they have weapons. They've, they've found their mojo on the defensive end. Tyreek Matthew is, is one of the best safeties in the league, and he's showing it 
through the second half of the season. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be all right. We, we knew that kind of half of the season. You know, there, there were concerns about Patrick Mahomes' play, but he's also an absolute superstar of the competition. Um, and I wasn't too... Uh, I was pretty confident that he he wasn't going to be down for too long. So, you know, the Chiefs are probably my Super Bowl picks along with the Bucks. It, it's, you know, it's pretty beige, but I think those are the two standout teams um, from last season and this season again. And finally, the Cowboys, happy to put the cue in the rack at halftime versus Washington, 56-14 to 14 in the end. A couple of Washington linemen punching on on the bench as well. Love to see it. <laughs> that came early on as well. That was early, you know, towards the end of the first quarter when it was about you know, 17-0 or something. Uh, it, it didn't start out well for them when they had that Demarcus Lawrence pick for, for six. I thought, firstly, you know, that's, a, that's a ball that Heineke needs to be getting over him. But secondly... Yeah, they, they need to make that tackle. They had three or four attempts to, to take down the big lineman, but they just didn't quite get him down. Um, that wasn't ideal for them, but also, you know, they just didn't look on. They they didn't look, they looked a little bit lethargic. They brought their own seats. Um, that's been a bit of a conjecture um, in the last few days, but uh, not not too sure what the what the Washington football team is, has actually, you know, achieved this season. It's been pretty disappointing. Yeah, you know, they lost their starting quarterback in the first round, in the first week. They lost, uh, Chase Young, their their highly touted pick from a couple of years ago, um, in the first few weeks as well. So you know their their defense defense has, has been disappointing. The Cowboys, their juggernaut offense, you know, got going. Dak Prescott, you know, he's not going to be down for too long. I think I said it a couple of weeks ago. Um, Dak isn't down for too long, and you know he's going to respond. And and he did, he did so here. He sat the entire um, last quarter, but he still put up about 400 yards and three touchdowns. And just uh, to finish off with Jasper, did you catch uh, Bill Belichick's uh, New Year's resolution question that he got asked at a press conference the other day? I didn't. I didn't catch the New Year's resolution. I don't think he gave us one, but he did say check back next week. So <laughs> yeah, he's like, maybe no. we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very bold, bold uh, question to be asking yeah. um, in in the press conference. I think you know, something like his 800th game coach, maybe 600th game. And, and it was a loss. It was a tight loss to the Bills, obviously. So I don't think that was the right time and place to be asking Bill Chip Belichick if he, if he has any New Year's resolutions. I wouldn't be asking him any questions, let alone one that's uh, non-football <laughs> referential at the very least. You're dead right. <laughs> Jasper, thanks for the time once again, mate. We'll continue to follow your work at the Inner Sanctum and have a great New Year's as well. Have a great call tonight, Heather. I'll, I'll be listening in. Jasper Chalper, the great man from the Inner Sanctum, joining us on the Overnight Crowd. Love his work and make sure you go and check it out at the Inner Sanctum or at JasperC53 on Twitter as well. And if you're looking to uh, follow anyone on Twitter, make sure you jump behind the Overnight Crowd on Twitter or even myself at Packing Heath on Twitter as well. And if you missed that Bill Belichick uh, chat where he was uh, asked the question at the press conference about any of his uh, New Year's resolutions, this is what it sounded like. Hi, um, football aside, sorry, but I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions and I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers? Yeah, no, not right now. Okay, thanks. Maybe next week. Unbelievable. I, I cannot believe uh, that you would ask that question of uh, Bill Belichick. I wouldn't be doing it, but uh, feel free to uh, send us your New Year's resolutions on the overnight crowd, 0433 or plenty of time for your calls to round out this hour as well. one 736 736 Jump on and revel in the Aussies' win in the Ashes series. 3-0 up now, thanks mostly to Scotty Boland's 6-for-7 that he took at the MCG today. An absolutely unbelievable effort. We'll be right back on the overnight crowd just after this. This quick break.
When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.